Hey there, Christy Lynn Hanchi, AWOL Zebra, and I'm excited. We always talk about the illness. We always have people on, and then we're, we're sharing about how they manage things. Well, today we're going to do a little something different. I'm always excited when I find someone that's thriving with this illness. And I connected with this person via Facebook, and I'm very excited to bring her on because she has an agenda. She has turned the major negative of this illness Nobody probably better than her understands and believes that we're not our illness. This is not a death sentence. We can thrive while learning to live with this illness. Let's welcome Chris Ann Bradley to AWOL Zebra. Hey, Chris Ann. Hi, how are you doing, Christy? Outstanding. I am so excited to finally be able to talk with you because. I did not know when I had this illness, they're like, you need to join a support group. The doctors like couldn't give me any more information. They just said, you need to join a support group. So I got into a support group and it was scary. Everything that I saw, you know, this is what's happening to me today. This is what we're doing. Well, a dear friend of mine said, you know what, Christy, you need to sometimes get away from the medical part of it. And you need to look at this group and, and see about joining it called Thriving Zebras. And I was like, I didn't know such a thing existed. And I went to your Facebook group and I was wowed by all of the accomplishments that individuals have with this illness. And I, I'm, I'm just in awe that you started it. Please tell me about Thriving Zebras. Oh, well, first off, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But I can't take all the credit. I want to give some to Georgina Ferguson, who is my co-partner in crime, and also everybody who actually participates, because it's the participation that allows us to be such a positive place. And everybody's mindset with the fact that we don't necessarily need to concentrate on the negative aspects, but what we can do despite the fact that we're ill, that allows it to be such a thriving environment for everybody. So I started Thriving Zebras with Positive Prince after I came back from the hospital. I had been in rehab for a month with a, um, what we now know two years later are torn labrums, which had caused back problems, which has resulted in um, what is it? Complex three regional thoracic pelvic syndrome. Yeah. And so I had spent a month in the hospital unable to walk and I had come back home and was putting up some recordings of the catio that I had built with my cat, um, Bubba trying to open up the door and had posted it in the zebra sites, some of the other, um, EDS sites, because even though, uh, it wasn't necessarily EDS related. I had built this catio and it was funny and it was cute and it had nothing to do necessarily with the illness, but was something that was just something to share that is nice um, right. on a, fun, a funny topic. And it was immediately removed. And I've had many, many experiences with that where I was trying to share non-medical related um, positive things on these websites that were immediately taken down and told that it's not EDS related, can't have it. And so I wanted to be able to start a group where it would be safe and protected, where individuals were able to show off everyday accomplishments and life that had nothing to do necessarily with the illness itself, but 
just the fact that we can carry on and thrive despite the fact that we have such a, you know, detrimental illness. I I I think it's great. When when I went on there and when I saw there was one, it was a very short post. I painted my toenails today and I thought, there you go. Absolutely. Perfection. It was, it was so refreshing because it is, it is hard. And and that's a huge accomplishment. That is a huge accomplishment. And for normal everyday, typical people, they would very well laugh at us, make fun of us, think that it's nothing. But for somebody who hasn't been able to bend their knees in six months, let alone lean over without passing out, being able to paint their nails is exciting news and it should be shared. <laughs> it really is. And, and it saddens me because I admin a group and I, I understand where they're coming from when they say, Oh, it's not EDS related, but I look at it like it is EDS related because we, we should be celebrating the accomplishments as, as minor as they may seem to other people. It just, it's just a shame that it happened to you, but you yet turned a negative still a person. into a positive. Yes. I mean, I, I think that's incredible. And to have thriving zebras, it's so nice because when I go on there, it's refreshing. There are individuals that are, are working, that are, are able to do things. I don't ever feel bad. And that was something that somebody told me when, when I was, when I took over this one group, they said, now you have to remember that people are going to be upset if ableism. somebody posts that they hiked or something like that. I'm like, right, ableism. Yeah. That old it, that old terminology, ableism. I hate yes. that word so much. Me, uh, Just because too, yeah. I am able to do stuff doesn't mean that I think that you should be able to do stuff. But there are other people that can do the same thing, and we should be able to, you know, share the accomplishment together and not have the negativity that goes with that type of of post exactly very clear rules in the group is that we don't ever uh have negative comments if you can't say something you know nice just don't say anything exactly and i can't believe because i've i've had some people complain and i said treat the facebook group like you would a radio if you're changing the dial and you don't like the song you just go to the next station i said so if you don't like what somebody's posting then go to the next thing. It, it, it saddens me that that happened to you, but the fact that you started Thriving Zebras, it's, it's quite a popular group. Not too many people. I mean, I didn't ever think to look at it and I feel like an idiot because I got lost, you know, because you get inundated when you get on the internet. There's just so many right. things about the EDS. And so I'm like, if I just keep blinders on, I won't get distracted and I'll be good to go. But I was so thankful that I was introduced to your group because it really was a pick me up for me. Well, there have been several of our members that have gone on to start their own little positive groups like zebra memes and um, positive, you know, positive sites that have to do with EDS. It spurred several different smaller groups that we readily uh, advertise in there. Um, for everybody's sake. So I'm really excited about that fact. I'm, I'm more excited about that than necessarily the group itself, <laughs> in all honesty, no, because it, it's time to have a mindset change. And I'm glad that other people are sticking up and, and following through with it. And they have the courage to do that. 
No, so you're right. It de- it definitely makes a difference, and it does help you because I've always said that we, that was like the reason for me starting AWOL Zebra. I'm like, I need an outlet that's not policed that I can say and do whatever I want to, and get it off of you know get the weight off of me because it does wear you down when all you think about are all the things you can't do. I actually when I first was diagnosed, this was 2007. I had been sick my entire life, like all of us have been, but was not given the credit by my family. I was adopted into a Christian science family. They didn't believe in religion. I was in a small town where they have a hospital that has all of like six emergency rooms or six emergency little beds in it and like one orthopedist. And so I was raised without having any type of medical care at all and was told that uh, I had Munchausen syndrome. I was making it up, uh, not to believe me, faking, drug seeker, all this kind of uh, information to any and everybody that my parents ever introduced us to. And um, that kind of gaslighting really did a lot of mental damage to me. It wasn't until 2007 that I was even diagnosed with it. And so it's been really important for me to be an advocate and a spokesperson and be able to um, find help. And when I first was introduced, I was told, just like you, go into the EDS sites and try and find some where you can relate to people. And in all honesty, I was introduced to a lady that actually called me. And then I had spent a night on one of the sites. I don't remember which one, but it, I was so suicidally depressed. Yeah. Um, by the end of that conversation with her and the night of watching through the Facebook deals, I actually um, unjoined the group and then didn't look into any other EDS groups until several years ago when I started using them simply for um, kind of self-diagnosis and real quick questions for help because I can't handle being in all of that all the time thinking this is my life. Oh my God, I'm going to die. I can't eat anymore. Like this is, this is going to be me. Like it just, it scares the hell out of me, honestly. And so I kind of don't even really browse those groups very much anymore. No, I, I completely understand. As a matter of fact, I did a podcast episode where I said, I, I feel like an idiot every time I bring somebody on and, and I'm interviewing them and I, I learn things and like they've sat there and they've read these books and they've researched all of these things. I'm like, if I don't read about it, it won't subliminally get into my head and I won't have it happen because I keep getting new illnesses added on every time I go to the doctor. You know, it's like right. HEDS, then POTS, then MACS, gastro, you know, constantly. So I'm like, right. I feel like an idiot that I didn't know these things were coming up, but I like you, it it makes me so sad to think that it could get much worse. Right. And, and sometimes that's all you see. So you do kind of have to take a break from it, I think. And that's where I think the thriving zebras and then the fact that, that you've spawned up little babies, (laughs) a little baby positivity groups, I think, is is really a great way to look at this illness because if you just stayed in the cans you would never be able to do anything right right and i'm not in any way trying to uh 
promote ableism or that uh, some of these individuals are as sick as they are and that they can't get up and go do all this stuff. That's not where I'm coming from at all. Uh, what I'm trying to do is give hope to maybe those who are so sick they can't do anything and, and by people posting that they painted their toes, maybe that person will feel encouragement and, and try it tomorrow. No. Baby steps. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's like I said, I, I don't look at someone else's accomplishment as a negative. I look at it like, congratulations for you. I hope I can get there. It doesn't make me sink any deeper. I mean, it, I, it, it doesn't matter. I could do anything I wanted to do. I can't get up and go to work at this point. Nobody would want me. I can barely make it to the restroom some days. So it's like I'm at that point in my illness where I haven't been able to continue working. So that's why like the podcast was born because I can do that. And that gives me like a focus because if I was right. you know, stuck in bed all day, I need something to do. So if I can pop in and chat for a few minutes with somebody, that means a lot to me because with this illness, we don't get to go out very much socially. <laughs> right. Right. People, people don't sometimes I know it's very sad and I hope I don't make anybody mad, but this is my feeling and, and how I feel about it. And I'm sorry, that's just the way I feel. Sometimes I I've seen several members of my family go through cancer. My mom had it and passed away. My dad had it twice. And sometimes I, there's many times I wish that I had some, some, something as simple as cancer. I'm not saying cancer isn't horrible, right? but I rec I realized that I had been sick my entire life and told there was nothing wrong with me. But the second that my parents got sick, the entire world dropped whatever they were doing to cater to them. But having a long-term illness, especially one with an invisible illness where you can't physically see all of the symptoms like cancer, gives us a battle in itself um, from friends and family who they want to help at the beginning, but then the years and years drag by and you get worse and worse. So they finally just kind of walk away. Um, fan, friends, uh, they included you at the beginning, but then as you can't do things like walk for miles and miles at um, festivals anymore, they leave you. And so you're just sitting there at the campsite by yourself trying yeah. to entertain yourself while all your friends are running around because you're no longer able to do it. And so one by one, your circles close down because, you know, back to the cancer thing with cancer, it's you might have it for a couple of years or you might have a couple of different remissions, but it's not 46 years of it. Right. No, it's not an eternity of it. And when it's an eternity, people they have a tendency to look the other way. They, they feel, sometimes they feel bad, sometimes they don't, but the ones that do feel bad don't know what to do. And they get tired of trying to cater to our needs all the time and us having to stand them up because we can't do this today because we just run out of spoons or whatnot. So they just eventually quit calling. No, you're, you almost, I'm sitting here, I'm choking back tears because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's exactly true. I understand exactly what you're saying. You're not saying, oh, I, I wish I had cancer. 
but for, the thing is it would be proven to you because that's the problem with me with HEDS. There's no blood test to prove to me. There's no inflammation markers. There's nothing saying on a piece of paper or on a stick that I tinkled on that says, this is what you've got. It's just kind of like the process of elimination. You don't have MS, you don't mm-hmm. have Marfan's, you don't have MG, you, don't, right. you know, so now this is what we're left with. And I was questioning what I was left with. I'm like, come on, you're telling me that I've got something that will cripple me for the rest of my life. There's nothing you can do, but you can't show me proof that I have right. this, but like you said, with a cancer, here's this, here's the scan, here's this, mm-hmm. they, you know, draw the blood. So no, I understand exactly what you're saying. And because I know of the program that you're doing, I want to bring this up because I want to talk about it. When you brought up about being left behind and things like that, I had a, a gentleman, a young man just joined uh, uh, one of the groups that I admin and he asked if he could talk to me one day because he had listened to the podcast. And I said, sure. So he called me up and I'm speaking with him. He's living in his car. And it broke my heart. But he said, Christy, it's okay. I'm, I'm staying at a place where there are other individuals with HEDS and we're all living in our cars on this person's property and which where we're the most comfortable because I can only get comfort in the seat of my car. I can't sit anywhere else. I can't keep a job. I can't do this. And it just broke my heart, but he was so positive. He was so upbeat, but to hear that there's an individual out there that can't get assistance because this illness is invisible I guess it's it's a rare thing. It's it's not as to the forefront as breast cancer. Let me pause really quick on that. Yes. On two things really quick. And and I wouldn't step in. One, did you know that it's actually not as rare as people believe? Yes. It's it is actually as common as glaucoma. I I read that. Did you know that? Yes. I because I read that the other day because and I because I said this in one of my podcasts. I said the sad thing is it's not rare. A lot. This is rarely diagnosed. Exactly. Exactly. Because there's no set criteria because it's such a diverse syndrome. And what happens is that if it's not directly linked in the family, so you're not already looking for it and their symptoms just come around spontaneous like me when I was adopted, then all of a sudden I'm needing to go to the shoulder surgeon. I need to go to the knee surgeon. I'm having stomach problems. I'm having headaches. I can't stand up. I can't, you know, this, 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 this. So you're running around to all these various doctors and nobody puts it together. Exactly. That's the big problem. But um, that topic also, you were talking about HEDS and not having any type of proof. They have just within the last couple months actually found the genetic link. And it was actually discovered by a gal that has uh, EDS herself and had gone to school to discover this and, and to work on this. So they have just just recently been able to nail down um, what's going on and be able to actually see it on paper and, and see that you have HEDS. I, yes. I, I remember reading something. Something came out about the same time. I shared it on the group. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought I remember, because I remember like the folate article had come out. And then right after that, I remember seeing that, but I could never find it again. Oh my gosh, it was your, okay. 
because I was like, is this for real? Did they really find, so where does it stand? I mean, what do you mean by stand? I mean, I mean, where, like, is it, is it that, what is it that she discovered that, I mean, now is it. She was able to trace the, the, like the genetic, you know, the breakdown of your, of your chromosome and your blood work and whatnot so, and actually see the pattern where it, where it's affected. So where, and how, can see we, it down there. how do, how do we as individuals go? I mean, if, so if we just go to a geneticist now that if they can take the test, that I'm not sure okay, of. That's what I, I was wondering. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure somebody would have to do some research on that one. Okay. But that was, so it might be so new that they haven't included it yet okay. and haven't discovered it. I mean, this was just within the last, since January or something that I believe I found that article. Okay. Cause that's, cause I, cause I found it. And then someone else had mentioned, actually, uh, when I was interviewing Axel Bowen with the fascia guy, he was telling me about, uh, a woman, a scientist, he said, and, had discovered something about the genetic link but we never got any further and then you're the second person to bring it up and then I'm like I remember seeing it I just couldn't ever find it again so that gives us hope so I think it does that's that's definitely a difference because it does it, it is difficult when like you know at 53 I'm I'm going down and my body's falling apart that's a little more expected than a 17 year old Mm-hmm. Or a 23-year-old that has this happening. You don't want it at any time. But if you could get your blood drawn and it pop up, I mean, I'm telling you, it took me 15 years before I got a diagnosis. How long? For- well, it, it, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It'll give validity to those who have been diagnosed yes. with HEDS who are told constantly, no, there's no such thing. You're making it up. It's something else. Say, no, you know, here's the actual genetic chromosomal proof that it exists. And that's what you need because I, I, like I said, I was 15 years. Weren't you like, I know you were like I, 10 plus. 20, 20, 29. Okay. I was 29 when I got diagnosed. Okay. And I was 18 before um, I was able to take medical uh, facilities of my body, I guess, gotcha. and start seeing, seeing the doctors and seeing the hospitals. And I've had 60, over 60 surgeries since I turned 18. Oh my gosh. Now, yeah. now I can imagine now, like the individual that I was talking about, that's living in his car, you at 18 were pretty much put on your own. You were now given governorship, I guess, of your body. You were able to now go out and take charge of your body. But the whole time you had to fight someone to give you a diagnosis. What all did you experience? I mean, I mean, not trying to, you know, if I. Well, I was mislabeled as being borderline personality disorder. I was diagnosed with that. Been diagnosed with Munchausen syndrome. Um, just last year alone, when I fell and crushed my shoulder, I went to two separate emergency rooms where they told me there was nothing wrong, that it was just bruised, quit overreacting, all that kind of nonsense as I'm just screaming and wailing in pain. And they had the second emergency room finally gave me some drugs that had knocked me out. And so the neighbor that was called to pick me up wouldn't take custody of me. So they were required to keep me inpatient 
where they then did MRIs and CAT scans only to come back and find out that it was a class three shoulder separation. But I, again, kept insisting that there was something wrong. Um, I was extremely depressed by this time. They actually put me on one-on-one, on psych one-on-one, as they're gaslighting me, telling me there's nothing wrong for an entire week. And I'm, I cannot move my left arm at all. Um, it's just dangling there and my right arm is fused. And so I'm trying to be sent home with no arms at all and just frantic. And as they were discharging me, another physician was on the phone and uh, had said that, yes, you're correct. You actually have a class five AC shoulder separation, you need emergency surgery. And that surgery that was just the torn ligaments to the collarbone ended up breaking my collarbone. The plate was too small, so it broke. So I spent the entire weekend trying to convince the nurses and the doctors that were coming in that there was something excruciatingly wrong with my shoulder after surgery, that it was crunchy, that I felt it pop, that I couldn't move it again. And they kept telling me, again, there's nothing wrong with you. It's going to be crunchy, all this kind of stuff, only to find out that later Monday that it had broken. So I had to go in and have a second surgery put in. And then in the spring, in March, when I had the hook taken off my collarbone, the uh, collarbone itself broke in two places where I spent the entire weekend again trying to convince the doctors that there was something wrong, that it blah, blah, this and that, only to find out that it had broken in two places and required a third surgery or a fourth surgery by then, a fourth surgery. And then two months later, I was raking and not very hard, just gently. And I felt the same pop and went back into, I couldn't move my arm, went back into the physician and spent the next two months trying to convince them that there was something terribly wrong with my shoulder. He had taken an x-ray and uh, it still looked aligned. And because of the uh, plate, it had just kind of fragmented so they couldn't see it. So he's telling me it's fine. And I finally convinced him after two months to get a CT and get an arthrogram in there and actually shoot, you know, die in there so they could see it. Came back that the place where they had anchored the hook in my shoulder socket had shattered, which allowed two of the three ligaments to pop back up and tear, which then allowed my collarbone to come back up and break in three places. And so I've been dealing with that for a year, and that is just one situation that I've, I've had to deal with. Oh my and it's God. my collarbone still broke. It's been a year and it's still broken in three places. It's not healing. Oh. They don't know what to do. Okay. They're, they're just leaving it in because like they don't know what to do. They're afraid to take the plate out because then it'll just disintegrate. So I'm just walking around with a shattered collarbone that was never broken. The first injury that was never even injured, according to five or six doctors in two different emergency rooms who never once even came in to apologize for making asses of himself and putting me into a one-on-one and telling me for a week that I was making it up, drug-seeking, attention-seeking, all this kind of stuff. Wow. That happens all the time with us. No, it it does. And that's why I feel like what you are going to, what you are trying to do, the fact that you've been able to start up the program that we're getting ready to talk about, under the conditions that you have been under are amazing to me. The fact, but I, I wanted to give a little bit of a backstory because. Well, we aren't disabled. We're just right. underestimated. Exactly. And, and that's where this whole program starts. And that's what I want to talk about because I feel like under your watch with the program, 
that you're talking about, uh, that we're getting ready to talk about, that the gentleman that I spoke with that was homeless wouldn't, it wouldn't happen on your watch. I mean, it seems like you are looking at uh, trying to start something for individuals so that they don't think of themselves as disabled. Tell us, tell us exactly, because this is actually, truthfully, this is how I met you, is when you posted this in my group and I got complaints. This, I, it, this just hit me. Yes. This, because I was thinking, I, I first met you at Thriving Zebras. No, I first came into connection with your name when you posted about this program. And people sent me, reported the comment, and I contact you to say, hey, what's up with this program? It looks pretty cool to me. And you explained it to me, but you were getting such a backlash from groups because it didn't look like they were like, oh, you're trying to sell a program or you're making people feel bad because they're on disability. Right. But you're not. Tell, oh, no. Explain because that's how we met. That's exactly it. Because I remember you posted it and you said, don't worry about it. I got so many uh, comments and complaints about it that you just kind of like took it down. And I felt so badly for you because it looked like you had spent a lot of time on this program. Tell Oh yeah. A year. I've, I've been working nonstop on this for a year. Okay. Oh yeah. Go ahead and let's just, what, tell us about the program. Cause I know there's a lot about it. First of all, there, what, what there is, what, go ahead, dear. What, what is it called? Okay. So I am getting ready to launch what is going to be called the Gentle Hugs and Boxing Gloves nonprofit charity and the My Stripes Foundation that will go with it. It came about from my experience growing up, coming from money and then being tossed out like trash and being homeless, um, the whole gaslighting, having multiple, multiple rare illnesses, um, all the experiences that I've had with not being able to get reliable cars, being ripped off by uh, auto mechanics, um, not having food, uh, all of the, you know, 30 years that I've, I've used the system of different nonprofit charities, um, the charities that I volunteered with and extended into. And what I want to be able to do is help other people come off of low income and disability and no income and go into careers with unlimited potential that are, they don't cost very much to do. They don't take a whole long time to do. And it's kind of a quick reward system with an unended income cap where you can own your own company. You can become, you know, six figures if you if you want to work. But there are also programs where uh, you can use them if you are not able to go to a manual labor job, say you're in the hospital, um, you're at home, all of that kind of situation. It comes from my experience with being on disability for so many years and being uh, injured over and over and over again. I have always worked. I have a college degree and I've always worked um, as much as I was allowed to on, on the disability income. And what would happen is that I would Every year you'd get that letter at the, at the end of the year that would say, congratulations, your social security is going up. 
And inevitably, the only time it ever happens, you'll get a letter right from the from the state right behind it. The next thing you open that says, congratulations, now all your benefits are going down on the other half. So the more I worked, I'd get an extra dollar or two from Social Security each month. But then they would do things like cut my food stamps in half, make me start paying for Medicare, cut off my, uh, increase my Section 8, cut off this and cut off, lower my SSI. And so by the time I was done with it, I was volunteering half the month that I could work and actually make income just to make up for the lost government income I was making. It was a horrible, vicious cycle. And the entire time I was still getting injured and still getting fired because you get injured and you have to take months and years off. And by the time you come back, it's like, oh, sorry, but your job's replaced type thing. So I used my last injury to uh, be able to uh, come off of disability and government income and become a mortgage broker. I can take, uh, as a mortgage lender, I can take my computer into the hospital, into rehabs, at home, when I don't feel good, if I'm sick, I just don't close loans. And yes, it's not a hourly income, it's commission-based, but the thing is that with one, one or two good loans, I can make the entire income I would have made on a year of Social Security. And let's talk about Social Security. So just on SSDI benefits, with the 20-something years that I was on disability, I cost the government $135,000. That does not include Section 8, SSI, food stamps, Medicare, Medicaid, any state assistance, any local assistance. That is only disability income at 700 and something dollars a month. I cost the government $135,000. So the program I've developed is to take a similar aspect and help what I call underestimated individuals. I don't like to use the term disabled. We are not disabled. Uh, your car battery is disabled. Your electric uh, bill is disabled but we're underestimated. Just because we not be, might not be able to do something in one area doesn't mean that we aren't fully functioning or capable of doing something else. And so this whole system, the Educate You, Y-O-U, Yielding Opportunities for the Underestimated, is based on my experience. And so I've taken the real estate business, which includes mortgage lending, um, real estate agents, title closing processors, inspection and appraisals, and then combined it with uh, the auto mechanic industry because those that are coming off disability and low income need stable, reliable cars. And being a nonprofit, we'll get plenty of donations and we can buy them and then use the, fix them up and use that as part of an education system and let people become car mechanics. And then because we own them, we can lease them at however cheap we want to on a sliding scale for each person to make sure that they have adequate transportation to and from doctor's appointments in their professional career and uh, be able to take it back to the mechanic shop when it needs repair. And then I've included the restaurant industry because that is also something that is uh, a cheap career. It doesn't cost a lot to do is uh, relatively short. And with a restaurant career, you can do anything you want to. You can go into hotel restaurant management. Um, you could go be a head chef on a cruise line. Um, you can own your own restaurant. You could just manage it, do whatever you wanted to, but it's got unlimited capabilities and potential and income. And so I've included uh, what you guys call disabled 
I call them underestimated, the population, but it also includes folks like neurodivergent, um, low, low income, minorities, vets, all of the lower population that lower income population that the government is needing help with so much. And if we can get just 10 people a year to graduate, that's a million dollars a year in one city that we can save the government. It's not the solution to the government crisis, but it sure is a solution. I've designed it from the ground up to be replicated throughout uh, the entire world. I eventually plan on having campuses worldwide and in the larger cities. And it's designed around bringing, the fundraising aspect is designed around bringing professionals and experts in the uh, work industry in that we can sell tickets to, you know, the regular real estate agents, the regular uh, appraisals and inspectors and whatnot, and bring money in that way. And then also bring awareness to all of the illnesses and what they call disabilities and nuances in the, in the populations by creating a calendar that focuses around those awareness days each month. By having a regular set calendar that focuses on the awareness days, I'm able to bring a joint unity throughout all the different campuses and provide worldwide awareness. I spent a month looking up every single possible uh, illness uh, that would have an awareness and uh, any type of uh, uh, social awarenesses. Uh, take for instance, Januarys are um, Outdoor Sports Traumatic Brain Injury Month. It's also National Braille Month. And so why not uh, take some of the resources with the other nonprofit organizations that I found that donate supplies. And there's a, there's a company that has rescued over 75,000 tons of books from the landfill new and used. So in January, I have a fundraiser to be able to, since it's Braille month, be able to work with all the nonprofits in the city that focus on um, visually impaired and, and blind and do fundraisers for them and split some of the profits with them. So they get extra fundraisers and they get extra uh, publicity and work with the company that has rescued all these books and actually use that to build uh, visually impaired wings in the libraries each year, which would be in February. And at the same time, we can take some of these 75,000 tons of books and help ship them worldwide and set up public libraries for all these all these uh, third world countries and, and smaller countries that might not have access to that. Wow, I, I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking, okay, I can hope to do a load of laundry today and fix my son lunch. And you're sitting here talking about changing the world and you've got a broken collarbone. I'm not laughing at that. I'm just like, wow, you... It, it's amazing. It's it's like you're not taking this sitting down, for sure. It's it's like oh no, you're coming back <laughs> at this illness. It's like all of those years that you. It was like you were in training, if I may, if I if you will, that you were. You would say so. Yeah, it, that's how I'm looking at it. Like you were in training all of those years that you were gaslit, that you you know were told that you had this and that and and being, you know, dismissed 
has now made you the the person to fight for the underdog. Right. Right. And I haven't just focused on, you know, the normal awarenesses that everybody tries, you know, tries to bring out each year. I mean, I've got like DBT, um, multiple sclerosis, savior vision, bleeding disorders, developmental uh, disabilities, kidney cancer, all this stuff, and have a rotating calendar. And by having all the different campuses each year, we can bring, eventually bring a worldwide awareness to all these, all these different topics. The problem isn't that we don't have nonprofits in the world. We've got millions of nonprofits in the world. The problem is that a lot of them don't know what they're doing. They've got great intentions. Let's go help the blind. Let's go help autism. But they focus all their energy and their efforts into one or two big fundraisers at the end of the year. So the public doesn't even know they exist. And then there's like 15 nonprofits doing the same thing. They need to be coming together and joining for group group causes. Like for the autism, um, I've developed where we'll have quarterly concerts, neurodivergent concerts. We'll have quarterly deaf concerts. We'll have quarterly little people concerts. And so that uh, because everybody needs to be able to, to have fun and celebrate. And just in Kansas, in Kansas City alone, there are 10,000 reported blind people. In Missouri, another 600. In Kansas, there's another 270. So with just Missouri and Kansas alone, we're talking almost a million blind people with nothing to do. Wow. I mean, you've really, you've, you've thought this out. You're not leaving anybody out. <laughs> I mean, oh no. I mean, you're definitely, what, where are you in the scope of things what is your next step? Because I mean, you know, I, I, I've always, you know, kitted around and, and said, you know, I started the podcast. My, my dream is to one day have like a wall zebra foundation or to just do something to like raise awareness. I know there's a lot of steps to it. Where are you in the process? I'm in the very final stages. I've since the whole finding all the awarenesses took a whole month of my time. But I wanted to try and get all of them because uh, they can coincide very easily together. And so I wanted to get everybody so they would be acknowledged and then break it down into what are good social ones that we can focus all of the fundraisers around to bring awareness to the different illnesses. And so I now that I have that. I'm able to finalize the fundraisers that we'll be having each month and just to finish the budget on that and then submit it to uh, the tax to have it, have it approved for charity. But we, I plan on having chain restaurant. Um, we've got a barbecue uh, competition truck that that's their entire purpose is I've got them listed in the fund in the um, funds so that they have a fifth wheel motorhome with a truck and a schedule of nothing but barbecue contests the, countrywide. It's their it's their job to that's what they're doing. They are full time comp- competitors. I'm going to have a with the restaurant. We're going to have it uh, allergy and gluten free, and a diverse menu all the way from vegetarian to meat, um, and a lot of healthy options like the uh, spaghetti squash as a, a pizza a pizza dough type situation. And so um, 
with that, we'll have the barbecue truck design. I'll have them develop and then patent a gluten allergy free uh, barbecue sauce that we will be able to give some of the donations to rare diseases. It'll be called zebra sauce. And we will be able to um, promote that while they're driving around. They'll be able to sell uh, merchandise. They'll be able to get donations, all of that kind of items. We've got food trucks. Um, We've got an emporium that will be going on, which will be a great big Sam's Club warehouse. I've designed this program as a type of mother charity to be able to go in and our sole job is to go in when we set up and get lists of every single nonprofit in the entire greater area that we can find out what they do, what they support, uh, what kind of, um, what supplies they have, what they need. And then it's our job to go in and help replenish them each, each month and to see what they need so that they, they've got more resources and then to uh, group together to be able to um, do fundraisers together. Everybody can split the profits a little bit. We'll have a full-time marketing team. We're going to have a yearbook uh, with all the activities that I have. I've got, we have to be in the public all the time. That is the key to being a large charity is to be aware and have the public's um, awareness all the time. So we're going to be in the news. We're going to be having, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15, 20 fundraisers a month. Everywhere and anywhere we can, we're going to be there. Um, And as we get larger and larger, these fundraisers, since it's built around the awareness days, will be able to take place all at the same time. And so it'll become, uh, hopefully, eventually a worldwide awareness towards these. And using the nonprofit uh, organizations that are already in existence to help give them publicity and help join a Unite cause and give them extra money. It, it, it sounds like an awful lot. It, it sounds like you've really thought this out. You've put a, a lot of input into it. And it's the one thing I'd like to emphasize is that what draw what drew attention to people that made them complain when you posted this was that it just seemed too good to be true. And they made it sound like you were asking for money from individuals. But- uh, oh, absolutely not. This is the the key to having a successful fund uh, charity is to be self-fulfilling in your income. And so that's why we have the food truck. That's why we have all the fundraisers. That's why we have the barbecue team and the restaurant and the merchandise and um, have these 14 and 15 different type of fundraisers each month. For instance, uh, I've designed it to where we have all these little small fundraisers. And then Tuesday through Thursday, we have all of the business people coming in, alternating for their different type of lunch and learns and workshops and meetings and stuff. And then once a month, we're going to have a big speaker come in on a topic. For instance, I for autism awareness, I want to have Temple Grandin come in. For the ADA uh, month of celebration, I want to have the Gen Ed people come in. There's a great Netflix uh, movie on right now about uh, the group from Gen Ed. Yes. That, uh, yes. Uh, camp, Crip Camp. Yes. C-R-I-P. Crip Camp. Yes. And I want to have them come in and be speakers. Wow. 
I, I want to have all these influential people that have done, you know, things with, with their lives, despite the fact that they are ill, despite the fact that they have challenges. They're just underestimated. I love the way you put it. I, I love hearing underestimated instead of disabled. Uh, the fact that you are trying, you're in the process of creating a program for individuals. Nobody wants to be on disability. Oh, no. Well, some, some people need to. I am not trying to, uh, uh, again, able, oh. ableism or gaslight anybody that absolutely the only thing they can do when is drink real water and, and eat. Exactly. That is not my intention at all. But there are plenty of people like me that may not be able to do something as well as they could somewhere else, but they could, they might be able to switch topics and, and do something else. No, see, and that's where I'm targeting. No. And, and that's exactly because I, I'm looking, cause I've thought about it. Cause when I looked at your program, I thought, Oh man, this is so cool. Maybe I could, I could do this. And then I thought I get lost reading one piece of paper of instructions. I said, I don't think I would be able to do this program, but I was like, there are individuals out there that are in a different phase of this illness that I am. And I'm like, this so makes sense that an individual can, because if, if you're, it's not just for the, for the disabled though, it's also for low income, for minorities, for vets. That's okay. And it's, it's tuition free. It's tuition free. The only requirement they're going to have to do is to work the program and volunteer with the charity to pay it forward. And that's, that's pretty, uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, what, what do you think, what needs to happen now? You're in the, you're in the final leg of, of the program as far as getting it, what will be your next step? Just, I just have to finalize my fundraisers so that I have them typed up, which I'm working on so that then I can work on the budget that it would require for them and then submit the entire budget to the state for tax approval. I'm frantically working on it every minute of the day. In fact, uh, I work two jobs. I'm a mortgage broker, which I've kind of put on the side so I can do this. And then I'm also a full-time Uber driver. And so I've gotten in the habit where I'm working nights from about 5 p.m. till 10 or so in the morning and sleeping in my car um, from about three o'clock in the morning till about two or three till about five ish. And then being able to go in and uh, work throughout the day. And so when I come home, I'm working on the program all day long. And so I'm trying desperately to get it kicked off by the beginning of the year. And the whole uh, neat, I, what makes this so neat is that because I have so many different other um, income bases on this, we'll be able to start bringing income in immediately. Food trucks, barbecue competition, merchandise, uh, the fundraisers. They won't take as much money and as much time as getting the school finished and credited and set up. And so we can start bringing in income immediate and, and spreading the word immediately while we're finalizing the school part. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And, and now is this going now you're talking about worldwide. You mentioned Georgina. I know she's UK. So, right. Is this just, this is for right now is going to be Kansas. No, Missouri, actually. Missouri. We're gonna put it in, start it in Missouri. But the thing is, because it's in Kansas city, 
we will be having, um, I'm working as hard as I can to have dual, uh, this will be true with any, any city, but in our situation, particularly with the licensing, we need to have dual licenses from Missouri and Kansas because you don't you just literally walk across the street and you'll be in somebody else's, you'll be in another state. Right. And so with our city, particularly, it's got a little bit more challenges. But I uh, plan on having the next one will be open in Oklahoma. I promised that so that I can one, we can keep close reins on it and make sure that we've got everything under control and we're actually replicating and it's working. But it's also in the state that the attorney that is uh, helping with this uh, charity lives in and I'm from. And so uh, he, he said he's going to actually donate the, the $4,500 to put it through tax submittal. He says it's one of the most concrete uh, nonprofits he's ever seen. He's been doing it 30 years. And he's so impressed that he's donating the money for it. And so he'll be working with the charity. He'll be our attorney for the charity. And he, I promised him the next one would be in Oklahoma because that's where he wants it. (laughs) And then, and then we're going to hop across to, to England and get one set up in, in Georgie state, Georgina's uh, area in Cheshire and just start going from there. You have a big, you have a lot of big goals and it doesn't seem like you're going to shy away from any of them. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. I've got a couple of uh, camps down in the Ozarks, uh, float camps that I've been eyeing and I have in the plans that are for sale um, so that we can have corporate retreats and sell tickets and all that kind of stuff down there on the bigger camp so that we can support the disabled, the uh, not disabled. I don't like that word, but the, um, physically challenged and, and a little bit more protected people. Gotcha. And yeah. so there'll be camps, they'll be down there for corporate retreats, bonding, all that, all that kind of good stuff. And what um, you had talked before when we, when we were talking before about like, like homeless shelters and, and people that are, you know, that travels and stuff like Georgina's place. Okay. Georgina's place. So um, what people, a lot of people don't understand is that um, the, a lot of the homeless population might not necessarily want to be homeless and we are at 53 minutes. So we need to, we got about five minutes here yep. and then we, we want to get cut off. <laughs> so um, a lot of the home Georgina's place is going to be a state of the art traveler center. I don't like to use the word homeless it's traveler center and they will, will have a mutt motel because a lot of the travelers have dogs for protection and for friendship. So they'll be able to put their dog in a little boarding facility and get some air conditioning and some water and all that kind of stuff while they're able to go into Georgina's place and take uh, showers in a locked stall while they're doing their laundry all the way down to their skivvies. Because again, there's another company that donates scrubs so they can get in their scrubs while they're cleaning everything. We'll have an arcade station uh, because arcades are cheap. They're almost indestructible and you can't steal them. So they can go in and play some arcades (laughs) and the restaurant uh, students uh, will be learning. It'll be, the restaurant will be open in the evening and the weekends. And during the day, it'll be the school. And so they'll be preparing hot lunches that'll be off the menu for the, uh, for the hot lunch line. And then uh, for leftovers on the restaurants, we'll be donating those to homeless shelters and whatnot. And so that'll be a lot of fun. They'll have, there's companies, sorry, there's all kinds of companies. There's lists of companies that donate um, items. One of them is uh, Warby Parker. They donate glasses. And so we'll be having an optician, that full-time optician at Georgina's place, um, glasses for everybody that needs them. Um, 
Roma boots, Roma shoes gives away shoes. So we'll be able to come in and get new shoes. Uh, who is it? Bombas socks. So we'll be able to come in and get underwear and socks. Um, there's companies that give away trial size of deodorants and shampoos and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they'll be able to get Coleman tents, gives away a, a tent per person at the end of the year of all their leftovers that they haven't sold. So we'll be able to network all the, with all these nonprofits and get donations to be able to help this. Uh, the restaurant itself has a don't dive, please dine policy. They'll be able to come in and ask for, for Bob's special. And they'll be treated like a regular guest. They'll be able to sit on the outside of the restaurant um, restaurant wall because I'll have outlets underneath all the tables so they can get in there and charge their supplies where they're eating a free meal. And then the restaurant itself will have the option to round up their dollar, you know, round it up to the last dollar. So it'll help kind of pay for the extra meals. That's a, I mean, that's, you've really thought this out. I mean, you have connections. I mean, I didn't realize Coleman, they, they give away their camp, uh, camping stuff at the end of the year and, and things like Warby Parker. I mean, you're partnering with some pretty big names. That's impressive. Oh yeah. That, that, that's what my intentions are. I have them all lined up, ready to go. As soon as I get approval, I can start asking them, hitting them up for it. So. And, and you have a, a pretty much a shattered collarbone, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Along with a fused, a fused shoulder and a fused SI joint and like many, many other missing organs and whatnot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm telling you that I've, I've really enjoyed this interview. It's always a pleasure to, I mean, when I, like I said, when I found out about you and Thriving Zebras, I was impressed because I found out it was one of like the fastest growing Facebook groups. And I thought that, yes, we have over 3000 members now and we've only been together for two years. See, that's, that's impressive. And, and you promote things. I, I love it. You let me promote AWOL Zebra and the, the business thing. You've got a, a feature section for businesses, right? Right. Okay. Well, we did, we did up until Facebook did away with all the hashtags. We had a very calculated hashtag list where you could go in and like browse them like channels and then Facebook did away with the hashtags, but we actively promote other um, small businesses from zebras. That's one thing that we'll have with the company. Um, we'll have Kenna's closet in Kenna's corner, which will be an onsite uh, web uh, website where all of our friends that are small business owners can um, have their, their advertising for all of their stuff that they do. And people can go in and buy, buy items. I'm, I'm we just ask them, they'll donate just a little bit of change, you know, maybe 25 cents or something in profit towards, towards the, towards the charity. And they'll be able to have free listings there. I, th I think it's absolutely wonderful. We've got about just say like 30 seconds or so. What would you like to say to everyone? <laughs> I guess that my main mission in life is to prove everybody wrong um, about us and that not to let people calculate you and call you disabled we're not disabled we're just underestimated we need to find a new way to go that was beautifully said chris and bradley i appreciate you taking the time to share with us today thriving zebras your facebook group keep us posted on the foundation okay we will thank you dear thank you chris have a good day, day. you too bye-bye now bye. that was chris and bradley i am so excited thriving zebras check it out and we're going to find out, out more, there we go, about the foundation when everything is underway. Christy Lanhanchi, AWOL Zebra, have a lovely day.